Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Yes, praise be to God. I hope it's safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is a day. That the Lord has met, we shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for always joining us to study the Word of God. And we are handling the book of Matthew. And uh, we've done uh, three chapters. We handled the fourth chapter, which we didn't complete. We ended last time at the point where Jesus has gone into the wilderness, being led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. Yeah, and we looked at that. Um, Jesus getting through the temptations and overcoming them, showing us the possibility that we can overcome temptation. Yeah, there's nothing so big that you cannot overcome. And uh, leaving an example, looking at Christ as the example, if he overcame temptation, so can we. We can also overcome temptation. So I don't get out there and say that uh, this is too big for me to accomplish. This is too big for me. Uh, to go through, this is, uh, the devil is so strong, he brings me down all the time. No, that's not what I say. I always come out in victory. I always come out standing, looking at the example of Jesus and knowing that it is possible for us to overcome temptation. So, we looked at that last time. And today we want to continue with chapter 4, verse 12. starts by saying, now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And uh, leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Of course, um, John the Baptist here, from what we, we knew about him and uh, the work that he did, the ministry that he carried out, the baptism, how he rocked the region. He rocked Judea. He rocked Jerusalem. He rocked the neighboring cities. The people, we read that all people came to him to be baptized and they came repenting their sins. There was a complete revival or transformation that was happening in the land of Israel at that time. And it was all led by this man, John the Baptist. Now he's arrested. Of course, we'll uh, read more about that as we go through uh, the chapters that we read. But uh, for the time, of course, the person who is leading, who is ruling the spirit is Herod. And uh, he is the one that is in charge of the arrest of John the Baptist. And if there is anybody in your territory, most obviously, that is causing such uh, a following to come to him. And Herod, people are passing past his palace and they, they, there is all this talk that we are going to be baptized uh, by John the Baptist in the Jordan. Of course, that would cause conflict because he was speaking in his message of baptism, he was speaking repentance, and it was going to be very hard for him not to speak about the leadership. When you're a leader, you have to call out wrong. When you're a leader, you have to get out and speak. Even when it comes, uh, sometimes we see it that it crosses even past church, and it gets into the nation and national affairs. And Herod 
of course, must have been attacked. And we'll see that one time. Must have been called out to the things that he was doing by John the Baptist. And this plays a part uh, on the arrest that happens with him. And of course, adding to the fact that all people were going to him and running to him, then it clearly puts him at risk. And uh, he is arrested. He's taken into custody. Why was he taken into custody? Because of the message he was preaching. Because of the act that he was doing. Because of the repentance that he was emphasizing. Some of these things don't sound good. Yeah, when you come out and you're talking about repentance, it doesn't sound good to some. And to many, actually. Because people would want to keep in their old life. People would want to keep doing the things that they were doing. Herod would want to keep in his own manners and what he was doing. And uh, it clearly doesn't work well for the leadership here. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, some and many of them, uh, had also fallen into this uh, revival and been part of it and come to be baptized. Uh, but still there were some that were not happy. Those close to Herod, of course, plot this and he is taken into captivity and jesus knowing about that that this guy has been taken of course he withdraws into galilee and uh, we see his location right here being given to us where he's living for a number of reasons he withdrew he went to uh, these places uh, john the baptist having recognized him of course they would want to know what has john been doing this for why has John been carrying out this baptism? And knowing him speaking and saying it's for this one that have paved the way to come, Jesus would automatically stand the risk of also being uh, somebody that is going to attract the attention of many, not only those that have been baptized, but also the leadership of the nation at that time. So he withdraws to Nazareth. Nazareth, of course, at this time is a small agriculture village. And uh, it's in the suburbs of the Galilean capital. And uh, Capernaum, that also is also being talked of here, that he, where he settles, is mostly known as a fishing town. Yeah, and uh, it was a large fishing town, also on the Sea of Galilee. And that is where Jesus, we are told here, is going, and he is staying. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Even the location of Jesus, even the places that he comes to, to, to stay in have been prophesied. They've been spoken of in the word. And uh, what had Isaiah spoken? He said, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. So the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled by the location or by where Jesus decides to dwell. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them, a light dawned. So this is a prophecy that was made by Isaiah. And uh, it's going to be uh, fulfilled here. Matthew uh, talking about the light. Yeah. And also... Uh, getting the connection with what Isaiah says, it involves that promised king from the line of David that is being talked about. And also, writing about this here, Matthew is anticipating that there will be some evangelism that goes to the non-Jews. Yeah, And he brings it forward in this, that those 
who are sitting in darkness have seen a great light. Yeah, and uh, this mean, means that all those that they call Gentiles who are non-Jews are also going to look and behold of that greatness, of that light that is shining in their midst. And many of these non-Jews that were in Galilee had been earlier on converted forcibly into Judaism in the second century. We looked at that drive that came, that it became even uh, by force. Yeah, We looked at um, the Maccabean revolt. We looked at the leadership that came on. We looked at the fact that people were also taken into uh, accepting Judaism by force yeah, because they wanted all the people to worship the same God. We looked at that when we were handling the history of Israel. If you don't listen to those episodes, they're part on our podcast channel that you can go and listen and see. So most of them had been already converted into Judaism. And uh, these people who had been converted were not necessarily friends of Israel. No, they were uh, not in good terms, but had been forced in to believe in uh, the God of Israel. And there, there was somewhat that, okay, this was by force, but now there is a great light that is shining among them. So many of the Judeans that settled in Galilee were also, you had a number of them that were Jews religiously and believed and had moved into that uh, sect or belief in the God of Israel. And... Um, this is where Jesus is dwelling at this time. The region has all types of people. It will have the Jews, uh, ethnic Jews. It will also have those who have been converted. But what was most important, that they have seen the light. He dwelling with them, they see the light. They have to behold that light which is between them. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus also starts like Matthew like, like uh, Matthew 3 2 was telling us with uh, John the Baptist. He also would preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the same message that Jesus brings here. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Any message that we preach needs to start with repentance. Any message that we get out to preach and tell the people, it begins with repentance. We tell people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Repentance implies a turn. Implies that you turn from your old life. Implies a complete shift from that which you were. Yeah, If there is a particular lifestyle that you had, you change from it. Yeah, You, you are sorry with the past life. You know that it is wrong that which you've been doing, and you turn from it. That's what Jesus also starts by saying, saying, turn. If you are into witchcraft, turn. If you are into adultery, turn. If you are into promiscuity, turn. If you are a liar, turn. If you are a thief, turn. If you are a robber, turn. If you've been oppressing the poor, turn. That's what Jesus is saying, and that's how he starts his message. And that does not sound well oftentimes to people. When you're telling them to turn, turn from a bad lifestyle, turn from a life that does not give honor to God. And there's been all sorts of uh, 
things we've had about people saying there's no need for repentance anymore. When he died on the cross, it was finished. There is no need to repent. So even if they come and they pray and they ask Jesus to come into their life and they start to walk as those of the salvation, they still retain the old life. They do not turn from the old life. And they are told that you do that and it is okay. You still have Christ with you. You still inherit eternal life. But the one who is giving you this eternal life tells you repent. His message of repentance does not change. We need to repent. We need to walk a different life. We need to make a decision to walk with the Lord because that's what he desires of us. If we walk in evil, if we continue to sin, then we take the grace for granted. Jesus in his word, Jesus in his message comes out and says, repent, turn, and you turn for the better. You turn for the better. You change from that which you used to be. If you were a liar, you turn and you stop to, to lie. Yeah? So that's what Jesus starts by telling the people. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The people he's preaching to have already received a dose of this from John the Baptist. So they are hearing a similar message from the one who baptized them. And this man is coming out and telling them as well, just like John was telling them, repent. So it's like a continuation. John has been arrested, taken into custody. But the man who is now coming and taking the reins also uses the same words like John used, repent. And we do not get tired of telling believers, of telling the world to repent, to turn. Because Jesus did that. Now as Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Yeah, Jesus is walking now by the by Sea of Galilee. And uh, from what we know here and what we read, he appears to uh, be moving alone from what we read here. And he sees two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So, we know the work of uh, Peter and Andrew at this time, that these guys were fishermen. And from what we know about this region of Galilee, uh, many of the people depended on fish uh, as far as their sustenance was concerned and uh, how they used to feed. They used to eat fish a lot. There was wheat, of course. There was barley and uh, all these fish products. So the region, being also close to the sea, was a place that had so many fishermen or fishing activity that was going on. So, fishermen were central to the economy of Galilee. Fishermen were key to uh, this region of Galilee, and they could make a good living by just the standard of their culture. They were uh, people who were not considered poor, yeah? So Simon here, also called Peter and Andrew, his brothers, are not broke men. Yeah, They were living a good life. They were far better than many of the people who were out there in agriculture. And uh, they were also in this Roman Empire that had been created. These fishermen had a good position. They were not broke men. Simon is not broke. Andrew is not broke. I know you've watched a movie and you could have seen how they looked in the movie. That doesn't necessarily imply 
that they were broke men. Yeah. So those are the ones that Jesus is coming to look out for. Yeah. And he says to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. This is a statement they have never had in their lives. This is a man speaking to them. They've never seen him. They are seeing somebody for the first time and he is telling them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Yes, what you've been fishing, what you've been out there getting and selling and making money, it has worked for you. But come and I will make you the fisher of men. Who makes you? It's God. Jesus himself says, I will make you. He's the one who will make them. And when we are getting out there into ministry or whatever Peter and Andrew here are going to get out into to do the work of the ministry, they're not going to do it in their own power. They have the power and the energy and the skill of getting fish out of the water. But as far as men are concerned, it is Jesus that makes them the fisher of men. It is Jesus who governs everything we do. When we are getting out to win souls to him, it is Jesus who helps us fish those souls. He's the one who makes us. So it's not me in my own power to do. It's not me in my own power to save. It's Jesus who put that upon my life and he will make me a fisher of men. He will make you a fisher of men. He will make you somebody who will get out into the world and speak his word and let people join the army of winning, the army of salvation. So whatever I do, in everything that I do, I need to know that it is Jesus who's in charge. He speaks it clearly here that it is he who will make them fishers of men. It is he who will make them able to get out and preach his word. He's giving them a greater job beyond the normal fish. He's giving them a greater job. He's giving them authority. He's giving them uh, the power to go out and preach and win people to the kingdom of God. Immediately, the Bible says, they left their nets and followed him. What was happening here? Somebody you've seen for the first time, Somebody who is calling you out of your job. Somebody who is going to cause you to leave your boat there for, uh, uh, for years. And you're getting out and walking with him. You do not know him. You do not know where he was born. And this is authority that is portrayed with what Jesus has. When Jesus comes and speaks into your life, you've got to listen. Because he is the one with the authority. His word, when it comes, it makes an impact. His word, when it comes, it causes us to do. It causes us to move immediately without question. These guys did not ask any question. They just dropped their nets there and they followed him. It doesn't matter who will take my net. When Jesus comes and calls you, you drop everything and follow him. When Jesus calls you and says, come, you drop everything and follow him. You don't hold on to things. You leave them behind. You leave the old life behind and you follow Jesus. The moment Peter and Andrew start to hold their nets and move with them to Jesus uh, in, in their journey that they are going to, then they are holding back the past. When Jesus calls you, you drop the net and you follow him. When Jesus calls you, you leave the boat behind. You leave the nets behind. 
the fish they had even caught that day, they did not bother to sell it. They left it behind. Because there are things that happen and transform your life completely. When Jesus calls, when Jesus calls us, when Jesus calls us, we leave everything behind. Jesus has called us to his kingdom, to his word. He has called us to live lives that are honorable, lives that please him. And when he calls us to do that, we leave everything behind. Christians, we need to know that we cannot continue to live a life of the world. When Jesus has called you, you leave the past behind. And what their experiences uh, in this time, in this season, there were rabbis. There were people who, who would teach and uh, you would choose to be a disciple of a particular rabbi. You would make a decision that I want to be uh, a disciple of this rabbi and they, you would sit under that rabbi and they teach you and they help you learn about the things that concern the law and the scripture. In this case, it was only those who were radical uh, teachers who would call their own disciples like Jesus does and says, you, I need you to be part of me. Join. So, Jesus here shows a level of radicalism that uh, many were not showing at that time. And clearly, these two men just follow him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father, and for him, what James and John do here, they are with their father. Yeah, They are doing their family business. And there comes a man who is now working with two others. They are also brothers. And says, guys, get out of the boat and come. Come and follow me. And they leave their father. It's clear here that they left the boat. Boats are expensive. If you try to look for a price of a boat here, they are expensive, so they are living wealth. But they are not just living wealth in the physical form. They are living their father. So, they are living a job that pays well because as we've seen, the job of being a fisherman was a well-paying job. But they are also living their father instantly, suddenly, they get up and they leave their father behind. They leave their family business behind. And this, what they're doing by leaving their father behind is something that uh, in their culture was not uh, something you take for granted because you could easily be dishonored by leaving your parent. Of course, by the community, but also by the parent himself that you are leaving him behind. It's like you're abandoning me who, who brought you into this world. So they will dishonor you. They will they will say you're not part of us anymore. Yeah? So, this that is happening is radical discipleship. These are guys who are choosing to follow radically. They do not even want to know anything else. They leave. And there are some of us who have accepted Christ and have made big decisions. Some of us who have accepted Christ and have had to leave families because probably they do not believe in the same God that you believe in. Because probably they do not take on 
the same belief and you know that if I go back, I'm going to fall. Some of us have left friends that we've grown with, that we've studied with over the years. And we've made decisions says, I'm not going to stay with these guys. They are going to lead me back. But that is the call. When God calls you, when Christ calls you, and I'm not talking about the calling just only for ministry, but also the call to serve God, the call to believe in him, the call to be a Christian. It demands that there are some things you leave behind. The call to serve the Lord, the call to be a Christian, will demand that you leave some things behind. And some of those things that you're leaving behind might be so personal. When these guys, James and John, are leaving their father, they don't even say goodbye. They just walk and follow. When authority calls, it doesn't matter how much meaning it had to you. When authority calls, it doesn't matter how much you had invested in that liquor business. When God is saying, come and follow me, you leave that behind. You count the losses and follow Christ. Because with the authority that he carries, he will make you a fisher of men. He's talking to these guys and I'm giving you a greater role, much greater than this. The wealth with which it carries cannot be equaled to anything else. The wealth with which the role I'm giving you the authority I'm giving you, the work I'm going to make you, the, that thing which I'm going to make you will not equal to anything in your past life. That's what Jesus tells us today. He tells us that which, that which I will make you become is special. You have not seen it yet. The belief in Christ is what we need. To walk with Christ is what we need. To stand for him is what we need. And like he starts his message saying, repent for the kingdom is at hand. He still walks in that authority and calls us to come and follow him. To follow Christ means a lot of things. To follow Christ means you have to change. To follow Christ, if you say and you're coming out to say you're a follower like these men have done, these brothers that have all been called, yeah, and uh, Simon and Andrew and James and John, the four that have joined this uh, team to be disciples of Jesus, these that have come to him to follow him have made deliberate decisions to leave their past life behind. They are leaving big businesses behind. And they are making a decision that to follow Jesus, this is what they're showing, to follow Jesus, you lose. You lose some of the things that you thought were important. When Jesus says, this is much more important than it is. You're going to lose friends. You're going to lose loved ones. And by that I mean you're going to leave them behind. You're going to make a, de a decision to live a life with God and he will guide you and he will walk with you and he will make you live a life that you never expected before because these men were out there getting fish out of the water but he has promised them something greater that they will be winning souls to his kingdom. If we are going to be followers of Christ there are some things that we shall leave behind 
and that call and that which he says and says, Come, we shall rise up without thought and follow him. Because followers of Christ believe in him and they trust each and every word that he says. Father, we thank you for the word today. We thank you for that you help us do that which is a big will to live lives that honor you, to live lives that are worthy of the calling. And when you call, may we answer without restraint. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, BibleInDepth.com.